are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Blue Friday episode, my co-host, Nick Lee. We've got a big-time road game coming up here on Sunday. Seahawks traveling to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers, looking to get off their one-game losing streak. And it's going to be the first time in almost 4,000 days that the Seahawks will be playing without Russell Wilson under center, Geno Smith set to make his first start since 2017 in his place. We're going to be looking at the final injury report here in a few moments. Plus, we're going to be examining some keys to victory for the Seahawks, and we're going to play a little over-under action for this Week 6 contest in the third quarter. So let's get to it. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. We won't officially have the final injury report for a few hours, but we do know that the Seahawks have a couple big injury question marks going into this Week 6 road game against the Steelers. Russell Wilson was actually listed as limited on Thursday, participated at the beginning of practice. He actually did this on Wednesday as well. He's wearing a helmet, was wearing pads on Thursday, but had his injured hand that he just had surgery on tucked away in a pouch. So there's really no reason to believe that he is going to be playing on Sunday. That is not going to happen. He is doing Russell Wilson being Russell Wilson type things right now where he's trying to do as much as he can on the practice field, which isn't much. But since he participated in warm-ups between the lines, he's considered limited. So don't have to worry about Russell Wilson for the next few weeks. He is going to be out. Geno Smith is going to be the guy under center. But Nick, Chris Carson and DK Metcalf, two players to keep a close eye on going into this weekend. Chris Carson did not play against the Rams last Thursday. He's dealing with some neck issues. And DK Metcalf's been on and off the injury report with a foot problem for the last couple of weeks and did not practice on Thursday. He did practice on Wednesday, so maybe they just held him out for precautionary reasons. But both of those players now will be two to keep a very close eye on as we get closer to this game. Boy, and I'm I'm pretty worried about these two injuries because you already without Russell Wilson. Yeah, there's some uncertainty with with the uh, the injured injured report. There's no uncertainty with Russell Wilson. He's not playing. So, um, w- but you're also with this with this injury report perhaps going to be without your top two skill guys that are at least a one of your top skill guys at receiver. I mean, I no disrespect to Tyler Lockett, and then Chris Carson, your your RB one, and having a top 10 receiver in the NFL and Metcalf and an upper half of the NFL running back in Chris Carson out with Russell Wilson missing his first game in a decade. That, uh, that, that is worrisome for sure. So um, it's not for sure that Metcalf and and Carson are are gone. I think there's a better chance that Carson is out than Metcalf. I, I think I agree with, with you that maybe there's some soreness from working out the day before with Metcalf or they're trying to, trying to keep him off his feet as much as possible. Um, leading into that game because, boy, they're going to need all the help they can get because we're, we're talking Pittsburgh, crowd, night, primetime game. You already have a backup quarterback. You need as many guys as you can possibly get. So DK Metcalf being on this list, being banged up, and even if he plays, 
you know, that it's it's pretty worrisome that he is is continually banged up. He hasn't shown it a ton in his production, but it's it's one of those things where if they let it keep lingering and they don't give him rest, it might come back to bite him at some point. Either he'll miss a lot of time or it'll start affecting his play in a big way. So you'd hate to see things like that happen. I'm a bit more comfortable with the running back situation. Um, Chris Carson has, ever since that first game, has not been super effective. But Alex Collins has been uh, almost a rev revelation. I think that they, he's uh, he's got a chance to shine in this game, and they're going to need him not just in passing, or excuse me, not just in running the ball, but through the air, catching the ball, and also protecting Geno Smith at all costs. Because boy, if Geno Smith goes down, things will get really interesting really fast. So you got to have your best pass protector there. So um, yeah, of these two injuries, I'm keeping a very close eye on Metcalf because you just cannot be without a top receiver already with your backup quarterback. Like I said, Metcalf's been on and off the injury report the last couple of weeks dealing with this foot issue. But from what Pete Carroll has said, it's nothing significant. It's kind of one of those preservation type ordeals. One of your best players, you already have a few of your top guys banged up. So they're going to be careful with him. If he misses one practice during the middle of the week, not going to be a big deal. I'm much more concerned about the Chris Carson injury just because we're talking about a neck. This is not like an ankle sprain or a sore hip. Or soft tissue. Soft tissue injury that's just nagging him a little bit. I mean, we're talking about a neck issue from a running back, a physical bruising running back. And the fact that Pete Carroll last week mentioned that this has kind of been a long-term thing that, that he's been dealing with for quite some time that flares up, it, it sounds to me like it's borderline a chronic condition. That's the way I interpreted it when Pete Carroll said that last week. And when you're talking about the words chronic and neck injury going together with a running back, that's not good news. So you got to hope it is one of those things where once he's feeling good, he's going to be okay and he's not at risk to – to suffer a worse injury with his neck. If he is, he shouldn't be out there. So that is certainly something to monitor. Pete Carroll made it sound like on Wednesday that he was going to practice Thursday. That did not happen. So I think his chances now of playing in this game have gone down quite a bit. DK Metcalf, I would be really surprised if he is not out there on Sunday, just because we have seen him already be limited and miss a practice or two already this year. They're just going to be very careful with him, make sure that he's ready for game day. So I would expect he's going to play. Carson, on the other hand, uh, I'm leaning towards it being a pretty big long shot that he's going to be out there against the Steelers. As far as the rest of the injury report, other players of note, Damian, uh, Damian Lewis has been dealing with an illness. Bobby Wagner missed a practice on Wednesday dealing with a bruised knee, but he was back in limited capacity on Thursday. Doesn't sound like they have anything to worry about there. Again, just a couple days to let him recover from that. He should be okay. And they also had Daryl Taylor on the injury report the last couple of days, still dealing with an ankle that he banged up a few weeks ago. But he looked good on Thursday night. So I would be surprised if he's not out there against the Steelers in prime time as well. So really the rest of this injury report is looking pretty promising as far as I'm concerned. But certainly the Carson and Metcalf injuries are two to watch heading into this road game on Sunday night. When we return to the second quarter, it's time for our weekly game plan Nick and I are going to be devising some keys to victory for the Seahawks. How can they get back to 500 and win their first game without Russell Wilson since 2011? You won't want to miss it. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your top spot for all pro and college football action this season. They've got a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. So make sure to head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus, whether it's football, basketball, boxing, or your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Blue Friday edition. This is your host, Corbin Smith, joined by Nick Lee. The Seahawks right now sitting in third place in the NFC West with a 2-3 and three record. Pretty disappointing start for a team that had Super Bowl aspirations going into the season. Pretty much the same thing can be said about the Steelers. They were a team that had some buzz as maybe a dark horse with their defense, some of the weapons they have on offense, but... They also have stumbled out of the gate with a 2-3 and three record. They did win last week an impressive win over the Broncos. The Seahawks lost to the Rams. So both teams are going to be looking to get back in the win column here in Week 6 and, and try to salvage their season, stay in the playoff race here before we get to the midway point. Let's talk keys to victory. The Seahawks are going into this game. It is truly uncharted territory, Nick. We have not seen... This team without Russell Wilson for over 3,700 days. That's how long it's been since they played their season finale in 2011. And then we know the rest. Russell Wilson gets drafted third round, beats out Matt Flynn for the starting job, starts in week one as a rookie. He has started all 149 regular season games ever since. That will not be the case on Sunday, though. They'll have Geno Smith under center. What does this offense need to do with a backup quarterback in the lineup to find success against a Steelers defense that has plenty of star power on Sunday night? Well, the first thing anyone looks at when there's a backup quarterback involved is get the running game going. Because whether it's an inexperienced quarterback or a backup quarterback, you have any sort of quarterback issue, really your only prayer of having an effective offense and scoring points is having a run game because you, I'm not going to say Geno Smith can't go out there and sling you, sling it around and, and lead a team to victory. I think he's more capable of doing that than most other backups in the NFL. Um, but that being said, he's, he hasn't had, you know, all the, all the first team reps throughout all the off season, preseason leading up to now. I mean, now he is obviously, but he just doesn't have that same chemistry with some of the guys I mean, I know they like him, but as far as just being in the first team and just being out there, just being out there and and what and being tried to fly, facing bloodthirsty defenders from a different color jersey, I mean that's something he hasn't done in a long time, at least not in a prolonged period. And so that that'll be something to watch. And so you got to get the run game going. Like we mentioned in the first in the first segment, it's probably going to be Alex Collins and company, and Chris Carson probably isn't going to play. So that even you're out, you're out QB one and RB one. You got to find a way to get Alex Collins going. And when in that kind of situation, you got to rely heavily on the offensive line. The offensive line can be a great equalizer with a, a banged up backfield. Your quarterback's out. A great equalizer is a solid offensive line performance that will protect the backup quarterback when he throws and make holes for a running back that isn't necessarily your starter but still a solid option in Alex Collins. So it all starts up front. It all starts with that run game. 
Yeah, I'm calling out the offensive line right now because this is the game. If you are going to play at your very best, this is the one to do it. Your first start with your backup quarterback. And I thought the line played really well after Geno Smith checked in on Thursday night. And we know the talent the Rams have in their front seven. Aaron Donald being obviously the most noteworthy, but they've got other guys up there that can get after the quarterback. And they gave Geno Smith time in the pocket to go through his progressions, move around a little bit, unload the football. And that's why he was so effective. Can they do the same thing with the ground game? It's been like the rest of the offense. They've been so inconsistent. There have been flashes where the run game has looked great. The first half against Minnesota, for example, they had that long 30-yard touchdown by Chris Carson. They were running all over Minnesota. And then out of the half, they just suddenly could not open up any run lanes. Things got out of hand on the scoreboard, and then they had to throw the ball. So they have not been able to sustain a quality run game. And it feels like it's been like 30 years since the last time they had a running back go for 100 yards. So it would be really nice to break that streak against a Steelers team that is giving up exactly 100 rushing yards per game. They're in the top 10. So they've been pretty stout against the run. It's going to be easier said than done. But like you said, they have to have offensive balance. There's got to be a quality run game that can complement Geno Smith. Now, you go back to the way things went on Thursday night. I think the Rams and Steelers, their defenses are pretty comparable in terms of talent. The Steelers have been a little bit better in terms of not giving up explosive plays. But both of these teams have talent at all three levels. They've got all pros, pro bowlers on their roster. So this is another good defense the Seahawks are going to be dealing with. But I really like that Shane Waldron was getting the ball out of Geno Smith's hand quickly when he first came in the game. Let's get him a few really easy, quick completions, even one of them that led to a pass interference. Let's just set it up so that we can get our quarterback's confidence up. I'd like to see him do that early in this game to get him in a rhythm. Don't try to get too cute with the deep ball. I think there are going to be opportunities to do that. And Geno Smith's got a good arm. If you've ever watched him at West Virginia, even with the Jets early in his career, he has the ability to stretch the field. But don't get too aggressive with doing stuff like that early. Let Geno Smith get his feet under him. Let him get comfortable with some quick, easy completions. Shane Waldron did a fantastic job of that last Thursday night. If he can do that with a balanced run game to go alongside it, the Seahawks can move the football against the Steelers' defense. They are not even in the top 10 for points given up. So this is not an elite defense by any means. They've got plenty of talent, but there are also holes on this defense. So I think you get Geno Smith in the rhythm early, give him the confidence he needs. And, and this is a talented enough player with the guys they have around him that this offense can still be effective. I don't expect him to be as explosive as they are with Russell Wilson under center, with a backup quarterback in there, but they can still put points on the board and sustain drives. Just let Geno get in a rhythm, though, first. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a reason why Geno Smith is a backup. Obviously, the consistency was never really there um, as a professional, but you make a great point of, I, I think Shane Waldron did a fantastic job putting him in positions to succeed late in that game against the Rams and really just a tough situation. He probably didn't. I mean, I know he says he plans to be a starter and that's, that's the way of a good, being a good backup is you, you, you just plan on being the starter. At least you plan on pretending to be the starter because you always have to be prepared. But let's be honest, Russell Wilson's been an Iron Man so far and to be thrust in there and succeed was very impressive. And I think two stats that kind of uh, you know, confirm your, what you're saying about putting him in, in easy completions and high percentage plays is the Steelers are 19th in passing defense. There are holes in that yeah. passing defense, but also they are seventh in pressure percentage. 
So if you don't get him in, in opportunities to succeed, if you don't give him those high percentage chances and he starts holding onto the ball, the Steelers can also make you pay. Guy named by the name of TJ Watt. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's, he's pretty good. <laughs> he's a pretty decent player. And not just him. I mean, you got Cameron Hayward, uh, you know, Devin Bush gets in there, Melvin Ingram. They have a solid group that gets after the quarterback if you don't get rid of the ball quickly. So I think those two things, a weak pass defense with a decent pass rush that the Steelers have, that that is that is just tailor-made to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Yeah, and I think the key here is you don't want to get in a position of your Shane Waldron where you're trying to reinvent the wheel because I don't think they need to do that. I think you can run pretty much all of your concepts, all of your plays that you run with Russell Wilson with Geno Smith. That's not to say that he's as good as Russell Wilson, but he's athletic. He can move. He's got a big arm. He can see over the I mean, six foot five. He's got maybe some advantages that Russell Wilson doesn't have. So don't feel like you have to restrict your playbook. And there will be certain things that he's going to be more equipped to do. That's fine. You game plan that. But don't get too cute in terms of trying to reinvent the wheel. You can run your offense. You can do what you want to do with Geno Smith. Probably not quite as effectively, but you can still move the ball. You can still run all your stuff. And so I think sometimes offensive coordinators may have backup quarterbacks and they fall into that hole. And sometimes you can understand why. Some of these teams have backups that are totally different than their starter in terms of physical skills and stuff. Seattle, they're fortunately for them, they don't have to worry about that because Geno Smith has that second round pedigree. He's athletic, has a big arm. So stick with what you do. You still can run your same offense with Geno Smith. Now, Talk about the defensive side of the football. I'm going to start with the most obvious here. And this is another thing when you have a backup quarterback playing for your team, you've got to find ways to get quick turnovers. And the Seahawks have not been good at doing that this year. They had the one quick pick by Quandre Diggs a few weeks ago in San Francisco, and the offense didn't do anything with that great field position. So it didn't matter anyway. But they've got to find a way. Ben Roethlisberger will Chuck the ball into tight coverage. He's never been afraid to do that, especially if he's got pressure bearing down on him. He's a guy that will fumble if you get into the backfield and you hit him. They've got some issues with their guys on the outside putting the ball on the turf occasionally. So this is a team that can that you can create turnovers against. There's no question in my mind, but I think that that's got to be the big equalizer this weekend for the Seahawks because your offense is just not going to be as good as it would be with Russell Wilson under center, with Geno Smith out there. You can still put points to the board, but you can really make life easier for your play caller and your quarterback on offense if you're giving them good field position with quick turnovers. And you, it just makes life easier. It doesn't matter who's under center, but with a backup especially, if Geno Smith's starting at Pittsburgh's 35-yard line, he's got a much better chance of putting points on the board than if he's got to drive his team 98 yards like he did last week against the Rams. That's not going to happen very often. So find ways to get pressure on Ben Roethlisberger. You can force him into some of those difficult decisions. He'll try to thread the needle. His arm's not what it used to be. And in those cases, you have to capitalize by getting turnovers. Yeah, Big Ben's a gunslinger. That's for sure. Um, and and that, that's, uh, that's, that term has a good and bad connotation with it. He can be turnover happy. And, and I'm gonna, just going to say this right now. I don't think the Seahawks win this game unless they steal a possession. And I'm, I'm saying that by, yeah, turnover, but I'm talking a turnover in plus territory, like you were mentioning with, with starting a good field position. I'm not sure the Seahawks have the mojo to win this game without stealing a possession and starting 
in plus territory in, in some way, a pick, a fumble. Now, Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger, four interceptions this year, already four fumbles in just five games. So there, the opportunity is absolutely there to create some turnovers, and you got to do it with with everything that's working against you. And and that also comes with bringing edge pressure on Ben Roethlisberger. You can play tight coverage on the outside to try to mitigate that that short passing game. I know that that might make P Seahawks fans get a little uh, heartburn with the, the cornerback situation the Seahawks have had. You know, playing press coverage and that that could ask for disaster. But I think you got to live and die. I think I, I was listening to Jake Heaps the other day on 710. He, he made a really good point on you got to live and die by the sword. You got to live, go you got to go down swinging. And and that is playing aggressive in the secondary and making them make making Ben Roethlisberger make those short throws accurately and fit into those tight windows and the short slants and the outs yep. and the hitches. And because eventually if he keeps doing that, he's tempting fate and one of those is going to find the hands of a Seahawks defender. And that, that's when the Seahawks can really turn the tide in this game. So you got to get pressure on them. The Seahawks are also have pretty decent pressure percentage numbers as well. They can get after the quarterback. We mentioned Daryl Taylor. I am a huge Daryl Taylor fan. If I had to name an MVP of this defense right now, it is Daryl Taylor, my man from Rocky Top. So um, I, I think that he can have a pretty big game and guys around him got to rally. But I think, yeah, with the turnovers, that also comes with being consistent on the edges with pressure from the outside and also on the cornerback side, making sure they're playing tight coverage to limit that pass game. Let's not fool ourselves though, Nick. I, and I think our listeners probably know where this is going because we're making it sound like, Hey, let Ben Roethlisberger beat you. Yes. That has got to be the game plan at this stage. This is not a 28 year old Ben Roethlisberger. This is a late thirties Ben Roethlisberger. He is not what he used to be. He still can be decent as he showed last week against Denver, but I'm more worried about the rookie in the backfield, Najee Harris, who just ran for over 120 yards last week against a really solid Broncos defense. He'd been he'd been quiet the first four games of the year, but this kid is a big-time talent, one of those few running backs that you can justify using a first-round pick on these days. He's a great receiver. He can make guys miss. He'll bowl over you. He is the kind of back with the way the Seahawks have struggled stopping the run this year that really concerns me. You cannot let the Steelers ground and pound you in this game or it is going to get ugly so I think that's priority number one you have got to slow Harris down you cannot let the run game get rolling once that happens this is going to be a really hard offense to slow down and it makes life easier for Ben Roethlisberger who I don't think can shoulder the load like he used to be able to do but if he's got a run game behind him that's doing well he can still burn you he still can beat you downfield he's got enough of an army can do that so they've got to limit Najee Harris, if they don't do that, it is going to be a long night. They can't let those long possessions get grinded out and then points to the end where the run game is factored in. Uh, that's just a recipe for disaster, especially when you have your backup quarterback on the other side. When we come back in the third quarter, we haven't played a game for a while, so it's time for a little over and under action Seahawks and Steelers edition. We're going to look at a number of different topics on both sides of the football, really all three sides of the football. And Nick and I will be debating whether the Seahawks are going to be over or under in this upcoming contest. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors? When you talk to a Built Bar fan like myself, we're definitely passionate about our favorites, whether it's coconut, almond, raspberry, my personal favorite, peanut butter brownie, or salted caramel. There's truly a flavor out there for everyone. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box with two of each of the nine flavors. And not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting out there on the market, they're also healthy. 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your first order. That's LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. It's Blue Friday. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined by Nick Lee. It's time to play a game. It's been a while since we've done this to close out a Friday show. The Seahawks getting ready to travel to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers. This is a must-win game for both teams. I would argue that it's an even bigger deal for the Seahawks because of the division that they are playing in, how vaunted the NFC West is. So let's play a little over or under here, Nick. And for those that have never heard about this game, what we'll be doing is I will be dishing out a statistic. So let's say if Russell Wilson was playing in this game, we say 200 passing yards for Russell Wilson. You and I are going to decide whether the player is going to go over or under against the Steelers. We always have a blast doing this. So without further ado, let's get to our first one here. And I just mentioned Russell Wilson. Why don't we start with his backup here? First start for Geno Smith since 2017. Over or under, Nick, 250 passing yards for Geno Smith. Wow. That, that, I think that's a pretty hefty number. I'm going to go under here. Um, and not not because I don't think Geno Smith can do that. But Seattle's going to try to pound the ball. At least they should. And, and if they can, he won't need to throw for 250 yards. Take the pressure off of Geno Smith get that running game in a rhythm, keep that offense going, keep moving the chains little by little. And I think the only way he gets to 250 is, unfortunately, if they're playing catch-up in the second half. You know, they're down, you know, 13 points, trying, and the Steelers are kind of backing off their defense a little bit. That's when you can kind of get some chunks of, of passing yards. Also, another reason why passing yards is kind of an overrated statistic these days is that a lot of that happens in garbage time. So that's really the only reason, the only way I can see that happening. However, I mean, I could be totally wrong. And they, Geno Smith just comes out on fire and he throws for 330 yards and four touchdowns. Who knows? This is football. Crazy things happen. But I'm going to go under uh, just playing the chances here. Yeah, I'm going to go under two for a lot of the same reasons you mentioned. I think if he goes over 250, that's not good news for the Seahawks. Yes. Not, not because he's not capable, but I think this is a game you'd like him to be in that 180 to 220 yard range be efficient with his passing have a running game that complements him some sustained drives like you said I think if he's racking up a bunch of yardage it's probably because they're way behind from not playing well early in the game and they have to rely on his arms so I'm going under as well I don't think it's good news if he's over there Second one here, we think Alex Collins is going to be the starter in place of Chris Carson for a second straight game. So over or under, Nick, two total touchdowns for Alex Collins. Oh, I almost went push here. I almost cheated. Um, I'm going to go under. I still, I do think he gets a touchdown. I think he gets in the end zone. Maybe flirts with a second. Um, he only has two touchdown or two two touchdown games in his entire career, and not one since 2018. So there are few and far between for him. Not not saying he can't do it, but um, I just think that that's not that's pretty hard to do. 
And, and just with how the Seahawks are going on offense right now, I, I think that he absolutely is capable of one. Maybe he wiggles loose on first and 10 from the 15-yard line or something and gets a touchdown. Um, I'm just wondering how involved he'll be in the pass game with Geno Smith there. and Because that's, I think, if he does score t- two touchdowns, I think one will be through the air. I think that would that would just kind of be how things go. So, but I'm going to go under. Just uh, it, It's hard to do, and he's only done it twice in his career. I don't think pushing is cheating in this game. I'm going to actually push on this. I think he scores twice. I think he has a rushing touchdown. And you may have noticed this, Nick, in the third qu- or fourth quarter the other night that the Seahawks had a couple screens to Alex Collins. I think that he is going to be a quick dump-off option several times out of the backfield for Geno Smith being the backup quarterback. Those are the type of easy completions you can give your quarterback. I think he gets a touchdown as a receiver in this game as well. So I can't go over on this. Three touchdowns seems too rich, but I think two is very within the realm of possibility. So I'm going to do it. I'm pushing. I'm going to say that he scores twice in this game for the Seahawks. Next one going to the outside, DK Metcalf. We we don't know right now if he's going to play. Again, I think he plays on Sunday, even though he did not practice on Thursday. I would be stunned if he's not out there playing for the Seahawks. But over or under, Nick, for DK Metcalf, 115 receiving yards. Woo, so this would be asking him to set a season high for himself with Geno Smith at quarterback. That, uh, I think that's a pretty tall task. I'm going to go under here as well. Um, and, and a lot of the same reasons that I said for Geno Smith, if he's racking up 140, 150 receiving yards, that might not be a good thing. <laughs> that might be because they're down by two scores with six minutes left in the fourth quarter or something like that. Because um, I think if the Seahawks could draw up a game plan, I agree, under 200 uh, passing yards for Geno Smith, I think is what they would love because that means the running game is working. And so same exact reason for, for DK Metcalf. He's a little banged up. I know he's probably going to play, but a little banged up with Geno Smith at quarterback. His high for the year is 107. I'm going to go under here. I was very tempted to go over just because of how much Geno Smith went to him on Thursday night. And they seem to have pretty good rapport for a backup quarterback playing with a star receiver. But with the fact that he's not 100%, and I also expect the Steelers are going to look at what happened on Thursday night and they're going to try to bracket DK Metcalf. I think that Geno Smith's going to have to beat them in other ways in the passing game, get the tight ends involved. We saw some of that on Thursday night as well. I just can't see him getting to 115 yards for a number of reasons. So I'm going to go under on this one. Switching over to the defense, Daryl Taylor right now has four sacks in five games. He's been red hot. So going into this matchup against a Pittsburgh offensive line that's been completely overhauled, and they've had some injuries too, over under Nick, one and a half sacks for DT. Okay. Uh, one, I'm bored of taking um, under. So I'm going over, and here's why. You, you mentioned he's hot. So, you know, in baseball, when a guy just can't miss, you know, he's going three for four, two for four, two for three, couple home run. Like he's just on fire. The they like say, oh, the he looks like the ball looks like a beach ball right now. The ball looks like a softball to him. Right now, the linemen to D- Daryl Taylor look like those uh, internet edits where the the guys like that big running on the field. I've seen those. <laughs> That's what linemen look like to Daryl Taylor right now. That's how hot he is. I'm going over. I'm going to say two sacks. He's the only Seahawk that's got more than one sack. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to double down and say he gets two more, gets to six because I think he's an absolute stud. And it's a bummer that he's kind of a pseudo rookie because I think he'd be getting a lot more love around the league as far as you know 
rookie uh, accomplishments if he was a true rookie because he is is putting on a pretty impressive display after missing a whole year. Truly, it was, it was a red shirt year, and right now it looks like it was a red shirt year well spent because I'm going to take the over here. I'm taking over, and I'm going to, you know, if we would still be doing our bold prediction segment, this would be my bold prediction. I think he gets to Ben Roethlisberger not once, not twice, but three times on Ooh. Sunday. Ben Roethlisberger is a statue of liberty. Now, that makes him hard to bring down. I mean, this is a big boy, but – He's named after a big clock. He can't move at all. And I think Daryl Taylor against these tackles that Pittsburgh has – Neither one of their starting tackles are, in my opinion, even above average. I feel like this is a matchup that is catered for him to dominate. So I'm telling you right now, Daryl Taylor, this is the game. This can be that breakout game. He said on Wednesday, I haven't had my breakout game yet. I think it is coming against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think Daryl Taylor gets to Ben Roethlisberger three times in this game and maybe starts to state his case. I'm with you. I think he should be getting rookie of the year love because this really is his rookie year. So he's been impressive. I think he is going to have a career game on Sunday. I really do. I don't know why, but I just have a hunch. Now let's go to the linebackers. Bobby Wagner, we know that he racks up tackles in bunches. So how are things going to play out in this game? Over under 12 tackles for number 54. For normal linebackers, that'd be a big number, but we all know Bobby Wagner is not a normal linebacker. I'm going to go over. He has he has already a 20-tackle game this year against the Tennessee Titans. Now, they had a guy named Derrick Henry. Another Alabama running back is coming to town, and that's Najee, or I guess they're going to Pittsburgh, is Najee Harris. And I think Bobby Wagner is going to be plenty busy trying to stop Najee Harris all day long because I think that they're going to try to ride him. I'm of the belief that the the Steelers kind of found their identity last week, and their identity is Najee Harris at running back, and they're going to be going to him. He he hadn't had more than 16 carries all season until 23 last week, and I think it's going to be 20-plus again. So that also spells for Bobby Wagner to get over 12 tackles. Yeah, I'm going to go over, too, just because this is Bobby Wagner, and you know Pittsburgh's going to run the ball. He is going to be in on a lot of those plays. And also the fact that Ben Roethlisberger gets the ball out faster than any quarterback in the league, that means a lot of short routes, a lot more opportunities for Bobby Wagner to be the one that ends up making the tackle because it's going to be short passes in the middle of the field. So I have a feeling he's going to have a monster game with tackles. So I'm going to go over as well. I'll say that he gets 14 in this game, another one of his fantastic performances. I think most of those tackles are going to be quality ones too, not you know 15 yards downfield. I think he's going to be a factor, and and Najee Harris is going to get introduced to the NFL a little bit by one of the best linebackers that's played in the last 25 years. Now, going to the Seahawks secondary, they have not been able to make turnovers, only two interceptions all season, and both of them by Quandre Diggs. So can they equal that total in one game over under the Seahawks secondary creates two or more turnovers? Let's do over under with two, Nick. Is there any chance that, that happens with the way this group has played so far? I mean, there's always a chance. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say no, no chance, zero chance. I'm not one of those, you know, Skip Bayless guys that will just totally put a stamp on that like that. It's unlikely. I'm going to go under. Um, if you were talking the defense as a whole with two turnovers, maybe, maybe I, 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 I could see that with with uh, Fumbelina back there in uh, in Big Ben. Um, but uh, I, I think that there's a little 
I think they might be, I don't know, I think they might be pressing a little bit for turnovers. I'm just, or at least they should be. <laughs> um, I don't see them getting to the secondary, getting two turnovers. Quandre Diggs, heck of a ball, ball hawk. He, he's he's going to, he might even get one. I think that he could get one this week, but Jamal Adams just isn't getting anything. And you know, the corners or at least uh, one side of the cornerbacks has, has had a rough time. DJ Reed, Hasn't I mean he's been solid, but he's not been that ball hockey guy we saw a lot of last year. So if if there's gonna be two turnovers, it's gonna be one for Diggs, one for DJ Reed, I think. But no, I'm gonna go under. That's just playing the odds here. I, I don't see it happening. I'm gonna go under too. I'd love to see a breakout game for the secondary where they pick off Ben a couple of times, and it's possible. But until I see this group have a game that is not marred by coverage and communication-related breakdowns. I just don't trust them. I mean, I trust Quandre Diggs. Quandre Diggs can make plays. But I've not seen Jamal Adams make those impact plays. I don't know that that's necessarily his game back in coverage anyway. The corners, DJ Reed's looked better since moving to the right side, but they already benched and released Trey Flowers. Got picked up by the Bengals today, by the way. And they replaced him with Sidney Jones. Sidney Jones hasn't been anywhere near the ball a lot of the time. Teams have been picking on him. So I just don't trust this group as a whole to be able to do that. It would be awesome if they could get two picks in the secondary, or even if one of them was a fumble created, they could get two turnovers. It would be a huge difference maker for them to win this road game. But I'm just not seeing it from that group. It was the whole defense, like you said, I maybe could be swayed. But I just don't see the secondary creating two of those. And last one real quick, because we had to include special teams. It wouldn't be a locked-on Seahawks if we didn't have all three phases of the ball. Jason Myers, Nick, over under nine points accounted for in this game. Well, that would be, you know, three field goals or two touchdowns or two field goals and three touchdowns or three, or, you know, three extra points, I should say. That's a lot. I'm going to go under here, and I, I think the Seahawks will score some points, but I kind of foresee this being a weirdly low-scoring game. I know that the two defenses have their issues, especially the Seahawks. Um, but in in some ways that you know, you have two really good defenses, usually that means a low-scoring game. But a really bad defense versus a kind of a bad offense, that also could lead to a low-scoring game accidentally, I guess. Um, so I'm going to go with under here. I think he gets seven. I'm going to go good solid seven. Two field goals and a touchdown extra point there. Um, maybe they go for two at one point and, and don't um, opt for Jason Myers. But I'm, I'm going to go seven. It's under, but they're not going to get shut out. Or it's going to get he's going to get close to nine. But I don't think he gets there. I'm going to go under, but barely. I'm going to go with eight. He gets two field goals and then a couple of extra points. I, I just don't know. And here's the other thing. I'm going to make this really interesting. I think he misses an extra point because unfortunately <laughs> that has been an Achilles' heel. For Jason Myers in his career so it would be push if he made all those but I actually am more confident in him making regular field goals than I am extra points based on his his career track record that's been a problem for him dating back to his time in Jacksonville unfortunately so I'm going to go under but barely I think eight points accounted for in this game for Jason Myers thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen every day now make your second listen the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available on all platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 
51. Expect a lot more BYU tweets these days instead of Padres tweets. Uh, Nick is now trying to maybe out of baseball <laughs> season, but make sure to give us both a follow. You can check out Locked On Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the all new Odyssey app. That's A U D A C Y. Coming up on Monday, Rob Rang will be rejoining me, and we are hoping we're going to be discussing a significant road victory for the Seahawks. We'll see what happens this weekend. Thanks for tuning in. As always, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the game. Go Hawks.